so excited for you and um, what you're offering athletes and fitness enthusiasts and just human beings in general to have just different people on. And I'm so honored to be here. Yeah, my first guest ever Aww. on the Goody Genius pod- Podcast. Thank um, you. <laughs> I could so not honored. think of a better person at, at all. And so you'll have to bear with me because this is a really self-produced thing going on here. So, um, but I definitely, like you said, it, like it's an offering of a space. So I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about the amazing people that I've come across in my life and what they can offer others that maybe, you know, aren't in the Trimarney following or are just starting to get to know you. Um, I think your story is amazing and full of the grit and geniusness. So I also think that when, you know, when people first meet you, you have such a positive attitude and outlook on life and you always try to find that other angle on um, how can we make this better or how can you learn from this? And I think people think that just comes natural to you. And I don't know that they understand that you develop that through your own life experiences and some tough ones too. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like people are like, Oh, Marnie's so positive. She just wakes up like that rainbows and sunshine and never goes through anything <laughs> tough because that's not your, um, your disposition isn't to complain or spend time and energy on that negative stuff. That doesn't mean you don't notice it and deal with it. It just mm-hmm. means that like, that's not, you put a lot of energy into not portraying that image out because you know that that's just not what gets you anywhere in life. And so I think it's important for people to know that like, yeah, like, you know, I think the beautiful thing about social media is we can follow each other and, since I know you, I can see pictures and I kind of know like, oh, that's so cool. Marnie went on a run this morning. And uh, and I think other people getting to know your story will have some context that that's why, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's there's more to the story behind the highlight reel of social media. But, you know, for those that don't know a whole lot about you, can I read your part of your bio? Sure. All right. You. So the biggie, the first one and most recent an author right, of a best selling book. Thank and we'll you. get to that in a, in a minute, but this is pretty amazing. Uh, board certified sport dietitian, master of science in exercise physiology, 14 time Ironman finisher. Is that correct? That is, that is correct. Okay. As of September. Sure. Okay. And six time Ironman world champion qualifier. Is that? Yeah. So? Okay. Just want to make sure that I didn't bump up a couple notches. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, USAT level, uh, so USA triathlon level one coach and 26 year vegetarian, uh, mm-hmm. small business owner. You have your degree as a clinical, uh, registered clinical dietitian. Um, and you've done, you know, rotations, clinical rotations at the Baptist Medical Center, beaches. You started your business in 2012. Um, you know, after moving to Jacksonville and then you're in Greenville, South Carolina. So I'd like to mention that for people that are just tuning in. Marnie's in Greenville and I'm in California. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. It's what I love about technology, even though it has its quirks. And then you received your license to practice nutrition in South Carolina and you have earned your board certification in sports nutrition. And I think that's so important to highlight because what I really admire about and I feel like we connect a lot about is our education and our experience and our credentials and the mm-hmm. path that it's taken us to get there. So, I mean, you started this well over 10 years ago. Yes. Right? Get to this point, um, which makes you an expert. According <laughs> to literature, you are um, an expert in your field. 10 years of deliberate practice and continuously challenging yourself at different levels makes you an expert. Um and so, I mean, there's so much more about this, but, you know, I think what I most admire about you, Marnie, is, is, is that, is your attitude shines through everything you put out there. And that's how me, we met, right? Over the World Wide Web back in, was it 2011? Yeah, I was trying to go through my emails and I save everything and I can't come, I can't find that initial email that we, um, you reached out to me Mm -hmm. and I still remember it. And it was through my blog. And I think back in the day, it was when I had, I was accepting comments on my blog and then I took those off so people could just email me directly. And um, you had emailed me and just said that you liked what you were reading or something along those lines. And I just was like, oh my gosh, I really just 
love this person who just wrote me. And I have people email me all the time and thank me for my writing, but it was just something about you that I just really connected with. And I was like, wow, she's a special person. And we hadn't even met. And in 2000 and um, what was it? 2013. I invited you to go to Kona with me. We had never like met in person and you're like, sure, I'll go to Kona with you. (laughs) It was my best race. So that had something to do with it. And, um, yeah, so you came with me and then we had been coaching you and your husband for triathlon and Ironman. And then we finally met you guys or Corral could meet you guys, Corral, my husband, we could meet in person and got to meet Ken and Frida and we have dogs that look the same. So I just feel like it was kind of one of those things, whereas there's so much negativity with social media, but thankfully through the, the internet and connecting through social networks, we were able to become friends. And then also we've been able to both help each other in our businesses because Mm -hmm. you being a clinical sports psychologist, and then also me with my business, we've been able to refer athletes that we feel can benefit from each other's services. So Mm -hmm. not only a great friendship, but also the, the professionalism that we both can uh, help each other. Yeah. I mean, I, that, yeah, professionally, the consultation and knowing like whenever I work with an athlete that's struggling with body image or eating disorder, like I am so thankful that I have you as someone I can consult with and refer to. And when I'm sending an athlete in such a vulnerable state and really wanting to, to change their life, I would, you know, I tell them hands down, I would not trust anyone other than you. And I think that's so important. But um, yeah, 2013 uh, at world championships meeting for the first time I think I told you it felt like a blind date like yeah I was like girl I was like oh my god Ken my stomach I have butterflies in my stomach like I can't (laughs) wait to meet her and it was just like boom we just clicked and you know they have the term bromance but like a sister mance I don't know how how to how to frame it but like (laughs) The moment, like, yeah, we connected. I was like, I love this woman. Besties. Um, yes, for sure. And, so much fun. And what I think that member that week in Kona, I mean, before that, I remember reaching out to your blog and oh, I was just reading it. And I remember, you know, you're sharing your experiences and you're being honest about what happened in Kona the years before. And I was like, wow, like, she's so amazing. And like, I just need to tell her that because it sounds like you had because before that you had been to Kona two other times or one other time? Uh, yeah, I think that was my, I think that was my, I had been 2007 and then 2011. So that was my third time there. Yeah. And I remember you like talking about a couple of times where you just, it was, it was, it was struggling for you. And I remember just sending something out, like hang in there, it's going to get better. And you know, something I don't, I don't remember. Um, but I, I really appreciated that honesty from you and also that you're you know in the profession and you're developing yourself and you were really transparent about your journey. And I think that's people that followed your blog from then till now. I mean, I think I don't know if you've noticed it, but they've can witness like an evolution in in who you are as a person and a profession and an athlete and a partner and all these different levels. That I've well, just been like really blessed to, wit- to witness as your friend also. Well, thanks. I, I, I feel that you just can't be a, a, a good professional until you really kind of go through the ropes yourself and make mm-hmm. a lot of mistakes and learn these lessons and and have uh, have these experiences that shape and form you in some way. You got to learn from them. And, and if it's all just smooth sailing, then you don't learn. You don't know how to better help other people. So I think one of the things, you know, a lot of people, they say like that, you know, to be a really good coach, you can't be an athlete yourself or you, Mm -hmm. you know, you really need to devote 100 percent to your athletes. But I feel like I've learned so much more just from being an athlete and being able to to relate to people and to to put myself through the situations that my athletes are going through. And it only helps me become uh, more at their level to understand what they're going through as well. Yeah, 100%. I'm with you on that. And I think, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know where that perspective comes from. Because I think in my role in seeing it in the athletics department, a lot of coaches reach out to me and kind of get that I understand the competitive atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they're like, oh, you have this experience and awareness and you have the professional 
right expertise to be able to 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 kind of marry the both. But I I agree. I mean, that's you know the gritty part. You know, the the grit part is that whole journey of becoming a professional, right? Like you started, you know, 2007, so almost 11 years ago, where you were working on this process, right? A lot of ups and downs. And, you know, I think you mentioned you were turned down a lot before getting your credential for a book. What was that like for you? Like, it it sounds like you've tried to maybe get this, this book started and having to go through quote unquote rejection, right? Yeah, I... I had always wanted to become a writer. I I grew up with a strong writing background with my education in um, college or undergrad. And that was always really important to me. And it was just kind of one of those things where the, that writing was very therapeutic for me, whether it was writing a paper or just writing in my journal. I just loved the opportunity to put all those thoughts in my head down on paper. And it really helped clear my mind in in many ways. And so that was something that I wanted to pursue on a more global level by writing articles and eventually writing a book. And I would contact magazines and publishers and, and approach some ideas that I had, but I was always turned down with, with the same thing. Well, you need to have a credential. You need to be a registered dietitian. That's what Mm -hmm. we're looking for. And, and I'm sure things have changed since then in some ways, but at least for me, it was rather good because it really forced me to take the nutrition field seriously that, Mm -hmm. okay, if I want to do something with this, then I need to make sure I have the proper education. And so that's when I went back to school after I had just gotten my master's in exercise physiology. So kind of change of of career path from wanting Mm -hmm. to do strength and conditioning to now wanting to do something with nutrition. And so I went back to school and that was a about a three-year journey to become a registered dietitian, but I don't regret it one bit because I learned so much. I got into a field of clinical nutrition that I never thought I I would enjoy, Mm -hmm. and that gave me a different perspective of the human body, Um, you know, people dealing with uh, things that they can't control versus an athlete who just wants to perform better. So Mm -hmm. very, very opposite spectrums. And then, um, yeah, it, so it led me to where I am today. And, and then being able to go from somebody who is getting turned down to writing articles, um, to being approached to write articles, uh, and to be quoted in magazines, and then eventually having a publisher reach out to me to write a book. Boom. Just it wasn't just like that, <laughs> right? though. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I think about the moments where you got when you got maybe that email or that call saying you don't have what we're looking for. Right. In a sense, like yeah. there's something you don't have, you know, that that's why we can't consider you. Um, do you remember was your reaction like, OK, like, well, then I need to get that. It's going to motivate me to get it or. Because um, I think about different mindsets when someone, quote unquote, gets rejection or failure and it's, you know, or I'm not worth it. It's never going to happen for me where well, you can see that play out in a li- lot of different scenarios. But for you, do you remember what that reaction was when you, know, you got that email and or several emails? And <laughs> yeah, I I remember that I told myself, OK, this is the right thing I need to do. Like there's no there's no way around it. And I've never been one to take shortcuts either. And Mm -hmm. so I never wanted to, to, to find the easy way out. And so I was told pretty much that you need to become a registered dietitian. And so that just was the obvious and the only solution that I need to go back to school to do this. It wasn't about getting a certification. And, and I just felt like, well, I can't just put this off because if I put this off, then I'm just delaying the opportunities that may come my way. So let's get this started now and hope that everything works out for, for the best in the future. See, and I think that's the gritty genius moment. Like, that's what I feel like this podcast is about. Those moments where we could easily say, you know, I'm rejected. I don't have what it takes. Or maybe this isn't something I should be doing. Maybe I can't be a writer and author. But instead, your mindset was, all right, if that's what I need, then that's the direction I got to go in. Let me reevaluate. Let me relook at the plan and figure out how to get there. Yep. Yeah. Right. And I. I remember having that in undergrad. I mean, I talk about it in my first episode, but I remember 
Like I was, you know, department chairs were telling me, you'll never get into a doctor program. You don't have what it takes. A lot of people, until I found one person to say, this is what you need to do, X, Y, Z. And I'm like, okay, I got a plan, right? But it's, I think for you, how did you develop that, I guess that perspective? Where do you think that started from? Being able to see quote unquote failure. I say it quote unquote, because I really don't think it's failure or rejection. Um, But when you don't get the news that you want and you realize the alternative is a really long path, right? Uh, How do you develop that? Was it sports? Was it family? Was it? uh, Yeah, I think it was a combination of sports and family. Um, I think sports, it just kind of, I've been an athlete all my life. I grew up as a competitive swimmer, not on a super high level, but I, I was the type of swimmer that had to work really, really hard to get results. It didn't come naturally, but I loved being in the water. So it just made sense for me to swim competitively. Um, and so I loved swimming, but, but it also and you were collegiate me. level. You swam yep. at the collegiate level. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I swam all, all four years and, uh, I, I really learned that you, you know, just cause you put in the work, it doesn't mean results are just going to come. And I think that's what's mm-hmm. so exciting about swimming too, is that you're working so hard for such small results. Yeah. You know, we're talking about hundreds of a, of a second. And, and so, and you really do, you know, judge your performance. It's either success or fail based mm-hmm. on, you know, your times. Um, and cause those are just so important along with, with placement. So, um, I, I, and just cause you put in the work, it doesn't mean that you're going to get some type of positive outcome from it. And, uh, and that really, it shaped me in ways that it transferred over to education as well is mm-hmm. that, you know, you just have to work really hard and being a student athlete just taught me about discipline and dedication and commitment and all these qualities that you just need in in life to succeed. Um, So I couldn't imagine functioning in life, even now at the age of 36, without some kind of sport to keep me grounded Mm -hmm. and to keep me focused and to keep me structured, um, yeah. not in a, not in a obsessive way, but just right. at, in a healthy way, almost to keep me from going into a different path. And, and then I think yeah. along, and then on the other side is family as well. My dad, um, he was an optometrist. Unfortunately, he passed away from cancer, um, f- uh, about four and a half years ago. And he always taught me the importance of education, and he was very much into learning, but he never pushed me into what I should be learning. It was, mm-hmm. you know, what are you passionate about? Um, and then so education was very, very important, and it was almost like the more I pursued my education, the more excited he got. So it was almost like I was making him happy as I was mm-hmm. becoming happy, so we had that bond. And and he was also a very, very positive and the the glass is always half full type of person. And so he really helped me with my attitude in life just because I never saw him complain. And he was always uh, finding the, the positive in every situation. It's like, okay, if there's a, a problem, we'll, we'll figure out a way to, to fix it. Um, constantly, uh, seeing the good in situations rather than the bad. And so I think just that really helped me with my mindset today. So sports and also having, I mean, your father, who was a strong role model, and it sounds like reinforce these values of continuing hard work, regardless of the outcome, it's it's what you got to do and shaping this perspective, you saw him have it in life and it and get to where he needed to go. And it sounds like you also embodied that. I mean, your book, The Essential Sports Nutrition, is it sounds like is a is really symbolic and a manifestation of all these experiences you had throughout your life to shape you to be able to get this done and accomplish this. Yeah, I mean, I never thought I never thought about it in that way, but it is kind of like a a circle coming to the end, Mm -hmm. even though I don't see as as my career coming to an end. It's it's just getting started. But it really is just the culmination of all the hard work and disappointment and failure Mm -hmm. and being told that this is something that I wouldn't be able to to accomplish to now being able to say, well, I did it. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's really important for people to know, like when they hold that book or read that book, this is I mean, it's not just your expertise, something that you learn because you have these credentials. It's 
a, it's a, you know, I always tell people that it's you walking the talk. Like you don't write anything or provide anything to anyone that you haven't lived through and tried out yourself or have some personal connection to be able to speak on. It's not just a fact you pull out of a book, right? There's plenty <laughs> other textbooks for that where you can be really objective. But this is also a combination, a culmination of, you know, all the times where you were, you know, I mean, I think, you know, losing your dad is, is, is made is a major, um, it sounds like, I mean, even motivation or having to get through that and still see that this is something you needed to continue because of all the values like he taught you. So it's almost like you know, this is also a reflection of all the things that he instilled in you. Um, yeah, it's, it's the way I see it. And I guess because I know you and I want other people to know that this isn't just some other book on a shelf. This this also represents a story, a long journey of all the ups and downs. Um, you know, uh do you feel like losing your dad was one of the hardest things that shaped you in your life? Oh, and for how sure. Did things change for you af- after that, you know, continuing in sport and profession and you know, even with your husband, Carell, who was a prof- who was a professional cyclist, now an elite triathlete, um, his in his own right, several time Ironman finisher and Kona qualifier and all of that. How how do you feel that that's shaped you and, and changed you? Yeah, I, I think anybody, if they're listening right now, who has lost a, a parent or a loved one, it's it's probably the hardest thing you'll ever go through in life. And um, I was very close to my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it definitely, it was tough. It was tough to know that we couldn't have those phone calls anymore, that um, I didn't have that person when things were tough in life to get some advice or to even cheer me up like he had always done. So that was that was very it, it's it even is still tough today. It just gets a little bit easier over time, but it mm-hmm. never stops being hard. Um, but thankfully, I've got good people in my life. And that was something that once I lost my dad, I really learned what was important to me in life. And it mm-hmm. was just don't waste a day. Um, my dad's life was definitely cut short because of cancer. And that just taught me that, you know, yes, we need to take care of our, our bodies. We need to fuel them properly and nourish them properly. Um, but there's no guarantees either. So we've got to marry that um, attention to ourselves, having good self-care and taking care of ourselves, but also doing things that we love and and making sure that we take advantage of opportunities when they come about, uh, making sure that we are not trying to fit the mold of what right. other people think we should be doing, but pursuing your own dreams and goals and aspirations. Um, so while it was very tough to lose my dad in some ways, I also feel like it's just given me a, a new perspective on yeah. life as well. Yeah. You know, and I, I and I think oh, it's so challenging to really get people to get that, like not taking the moment or the day for granted or what we're given, you know, our health. And I know that if people follow you on social media and your blog and your website, they know that that's a really strong message of yours. Take care of your body. It's the only place you live. And, you know, don't take even bad training sessions for granted because you get to do these training sessions and there's always something to learn. And, you know, I, I think yeah, definitely. You know, and I think even though both of us lost our, our dads, um, it's played out differently in our lives. Right. I think it's mm-hmm. motivated us and and kind of been a part of us in different ways. So I appreciate you sharing that about him, Jim. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Dad. Jim, <right? laughs> yep. uh, do you do you still wear his hat with you in your race or carry it with you? And I remember yep. uh, at Ironman Austria, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Right after, (laughs) yeah. Want to share that? Yeah, my dad loves Corvettes, and um, he he uh, had two Corvette hats that he would always run in and um, or wear around the house or whatever he was (laughs) doing. And so Corell and I each have one of those hats, and um, I I haven't been bringing it to my races lately, but Corell he said he still brings it to his (laughs) to the races, and he he wears it just as part of pre-race warm-up um so we we still do something to keep them with us (laughs) that's awesome I remember watching you um you know on on Ironman Austria I don't know what the time difference is but we stayed up and you know watching you across the finish line and that was a pretty that was a kick-ass race for you 
Yeah. Do you want to share like what that experience like for people that maybe? Uh, yeah, it was the first race that I raced um, since my dad passed away um, a few days before my birthday in May. And it was just a few weeks later. And um, I just knew that I had to do this race. He would be uh, he would be there with us. And it was a phenomenal performance. Me and Corral, we had great races there. It was our first international race. We were combining it with visiting his family. Um, yeah. So we both wore uh my dad's hat in his honor. Um, it just felt like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it so beautiful that you continue to honor him and you know share a little, a uh, share a p- little part of him with us. And I appreciate you for that. How has that you. played out in the relationship or crowd? Do you th- do you found like you know you guys work together, you train together, you're in the business together. You also have different expertise as well. And so, um, you know, has that. And thinking about the relationship with him, how how has that changed? You guys have been together for well over 10 years as well, right? Yeah, we've been together for about 12 years now, wow. uh, 12 and a half years. So, so you're also I, an expert in this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and as anybody knows, relationships take a lot of work. Um <laughs> Like anything else a lot in of life, grit. <laughs> a lot of grit, a lot of communication and <laughs> trying to understand the other person. Um, yeah, Carl and I, we have a very unique relationship because we work together. We have a business together. We uh, live together, obviously. And and then we do a lot of our training together. Um, so we really are together um, almost every minute of every day. Um, I don't think that there's really more than an hour or two that we're not together. Um, Mm -hmm. So it definitely is a a very unique relationship. I think some people may be like, oh my gosh, I need my space. And other people are probably like, I never see my spouse. And so um, our our situation is is different. It definitely works for us. It works for you guys, yeah. It it works very well. and uh, we get each other in so many ways, but I also think that we complement each other. I'm a very sensitive person. Um, I think a lot about people's feelings. That's not to say that Corral doesn't, but he's also a lot more, um, you know, just says it how it is. And I think that that's needed as well. And so we both are able to complement each other's personalities very well as coaches. So it helps us be able to communicate and better understand the athlete because we bring Mm -hmm. two different perspectives when we coach athletes. Um, but then also in our, in our personal life as well, and just making decisions as athletes and, um, you know, just normal life decisions, being able to have two very different perspectives on situations, but yet with the same purpose of, you know, what's going to be the best situation or scenario for both of us. Um, right. So it does it does work well. And then we're, we're similar in, in many ways as well in terms of we're very just hardworking people and we don't like to make excuses and mm-hmm. um, we we care about other people. We want to be kind. We want to have good ethics and uh, those type of things that we both have the same um, feelings about situations. Mm-hmm. So if from what I hear is that you and Corral have like really strong, similar values. And, you know, for, for people that don't know you, um, Corral is from the Czech Republic. He's a U.S. Yes. citizen. Oh, um, as of that's this summer. A, its own. Yeah, that's its <laughs> own gritty story and a long journey for you both that we probably won't be able to touch on here because I want to make sure we get to the meat and potatoes of the book too. Um, but you know, you guys have similar values despite coming from very different cultural backgrounds, right? Like that. You know, you both are very much like about, you know, continuing to learning, challenging yourself, like family values, communication, it, discussing what's most important. So amongst life changes, it sounds like you guys talk through like, how is this going to affect us? You moved from Florida to Greenville, South Carolina. That couldn't have been an easy decision, yeah. right? Um, and so it sounds like just it works for you guys because you've communicated through all these changes what's important to you. And and both of you have been through some major life changes throughout um, your your relationship. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I can speak like personally from being a coach from you and Corral, like, yeah, it's, you know, when you go on training peaks for all the triathletes out there and, you know, there's different feedback from Marnie, different feedback from Corral and um, it works. It certainly worked for me. I did Ironman Texas in, gosh, was it? It was right when we, yep, it was right oh. when we moved to Greenville. 
Yeah, and then and you was that did the year awesome. you guys coached? That was the year you guys coached us because we did it one yep. year, and I was like, that fucking sucked. Excuse me, <laughs> language, but I need to go back there. That was what was interesting about Ironman at that time for me was. Ken and I did it one year and it was a great experience. Don't get me wrong, but I was like, I know there's more in me. And I think that was, um, yeah, it was so hot. You could cook an egg on the, on the sidewalk. And, um, the race course has changed since then. I feel like we probably had the last really quote unquote good year there. Um, and I was like, you know what? Something's got to change. Yeah. And I was talking to Ken. I was like, we need them to coach us. We need some coaching. We need some structure. I want to come back a little bit better and hungrier. And you both challenged me out of my comfort zone. I mean, like yeah. I wasn't riding with power. I don't even know if I had a like a legit bike computer then. Um, and yeah, the whole gadget stuff. And I was like, no, I'm just going to go on perceived effort, blah, blah, blah. Because I had before that in 70.3s and and, you know, map marathons and different road races, but realizing like to do well in Ironman, there's just these essentials that you need to learn to adjust to. And I feel like you really helped me understand and get the genius within myself of what my potential was. Um, because I, you know, I got a podium spot at that race. Yes. Was, I think it was 2014. So we did it yep. in 2013 and you coached us to, to both PRs in 2014. And the course was similar that year. Um, again, I say that because I was able to see how, you know, it translated because sometimes co- courses change and things change, but Texas stayed pretty consistent in those two years. Um, yeah. And I could, we could not have done that without you guys. And I think that just the proof is in the pudding when it comes to how you both came together. And, you know, I personally experienced, and that's why you have, you know, Try Marnie Coaching and Nutrition. There's a, you know, active Facebook group um, where that's changing every year of people that are just sharing and also you p- chiming in and making sure you give proper feedback and guidance, but also letting the group um, guide each other and motivate each other. Um, and that was a really powerful thing, especially during Ironman training when it was just before we had Ari, our son, um, when every day it's like, okay. You got to gear up for something tough, especially for me that was out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, these zones and heart rate and power and it was a huge learning curve for me. So I thank you guys for that of really helping be, you know, guide me and coach me to uncover, you know, the potential athletically I had in myself and also mentally. Um, I remember there was another Trimarni athlete. Her husband was on the course. Right. And it was like towards when I was getting ready to finish. And I think he talked to (laughs) Corral and I think it was him that said Corral says you're in fifth or they said you're in fifth. Like, like, just keep pushing. And I was like, shit, I remember someone (laughs) told me that on the course. And like, I'm like, what the hell? This is crazy. Like, they're even here without being here. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was. You remember that? Yeah. So actually it was a, just a a Facebook friend and I knew that he was out in the race and I get a little crazy when I'm following athletes and I just feel like I need to be there. And so I'm like hunting down people to, you know, be on the course to Mm -hmm. give them updates and to know that we're cheering them on virtually. And Corral and I were like, Oh my gosh, she's in fifth place. We, she needs to know cause she needs to commit now, (laughs) you know, she's in fifth place. And that's where it starts getting really hard where, where your thoughts Mm -hmm. in your head just are like, Oh, it's not worth it. Or, you know, Oh, I'll just, you know, I can ease up and I'll still finish it. But we're like, no, she's going to get on that podium. And so we had that person tell you if they saw you, which they happened to see you, you know, that you're in fifth and then it's like, crap, now I really have to commit. <laughs> exactly. That was exactly what was running through my head. Cause I'm just like, you know what? Like my legs are hurting like never before. If I let up, I mean, that's this like mediocre voice, right? I mean, I, I talk about it sometimes, but I don't know what we call it other than that, like slacker voice inside, because I'm definitely not a strong type A person where I'm just like, people would be happy. Most people are like, holy shit, you did an Iron Man, like all that stuff's to come into my head and give me justification of why I can slow down, why, you know, just, just getting there is good enough. And when I heard that, I was like, 
oh shit, like I can't now. Like they're here and they're in my head and I got to keep going. Um, Because I remember that was like, I think I had like a 5K left to go. And that was the hardest push of my life, man. Um, And it's tricky on that course because you're going through this like canal area where there's a lot of turns and twisty and turny, at least the course back then. Um, So you can hear and see the finish line but it's still a couple miles away because you're just going through this little town area. Um, but I remember that. And I think that's really telling to how you both coach and the relationship you have with your athletes, right? Like it wasn't just because you knew us and you were coaching us. You do that for everyone. And so I think people that work with you and that get to know you all, it's not just like, hey, we're writing coaching plans and we're monitoring your your training. It's a relationship. Yeah. And so when you... um open it up for athletes, you know, to want to work with you. It's, it's not just like, you know, I mean, I think you work with every athlete individually to know what they need. Cause Ken and my husband needed different things than I needed and yeah. different things that spoke to him were different to me. Like I needed more rest days than he did. Um, but it's, so I think it was, it's really cool that we both got to feel like it was like tailored to us uniquely, but it's just their style. Like you make everyone just feel so special, important. Well, and thank I love that. you. <laughs> yeah. Coaching, coaching has been, uh, it's, we've definitely evolved our coaching. So our style of coaching now is, is different than when we worked with you guys, even though you all had results, it would just be not, not right for us just to keep on the same, um, you know, same methods. We need mm-hmm. to evolve and keep up with the sport and learn from other people and to figure out what, what really is going to work for athletes. And, and that's really why I love coaching is it's so much more than just writing training plans. It's mm-hmm. really getting to know the person and what will work for them. And the same thing, with within my book as well is just trying to figure out a way to convey information to somebody that they can digest it and apply it to their own life. And everybody is different. Everybody takes information and digests it differently. And so you really have to take the time to understand somebody and how to speak to them, especially when you do all of this virtually. Absolutely. Um, you, You know, how do you, how do you best communicate with them. And so that's why it's also important to me, especially with coaching, to feel like it's a team and not just that it's us coaching one athlete, that this athlete is part of a team. And that makes it a lot more fun and rewarding and to know that you're part of something that's a little bit bigger than yourself. Yeah. And I think that's your like your genius in your company and what you represent and in this book. Right. I think you have a, a gift that you've honed over years. Right. We've talked about your story of being able to take um, science based, you know, research, um, research based information on nutrition and food science and all of that good stuff and write it and put it in a format that the everyday person uh, and various levels of athletes can take away from and apply to their life like that. That's not easy. Right. I think sometimes some people fall into this really like um, cerebral fact, research, statistics kind of camp or uh, the other camp is like, you know, very casual and informal. It's kind of hard. You can speak to the everyday person, but it's hard to really translate that. And I feel like you do both. You're able to um, put it in a way that's applicable uh, for a lot of different athletes and 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 levels and fitness enthusiasts, right? Um, I like how you mentioned that it's a guidebook, right? It's not these hard and fast rules, which I know is not your style, but I I believe you do have, I guess, fundamentals or principles of the way you believe about yeah. nutrition and how people should go about it. Yeah, sports nutrition is a very tough topic to write about because it's so broad. You know, had I written about something like um, – uh, I don't know, uh, vegetarianism, right? So you've got mm-hmm. this one concept to, to discuss. Um, but sports nutrition, there's just so many different areas. And I didn't want it to be in, in the publisher as well. They didn't want it to be sciencey, right? We, we need something that everybody can can understand without it being overwhelming. But my job was then to take the science and convey it in a way that anybody can understand it um, from the, the teenager to, to my grandpa, right. That they can understand yep. it and it makes sense to them. 
And I really appreciate that you mentioned it as a guidebook because it I feel like it's a very easy read that you can get through it in a few days and it's like done. But it's not one of those books that you just put it back on the shelf and you've read it. Right. Um, it's one of those books where you want it next to your training gear so that when you have an exercise session or a training session or a competition or it's a recovery day that you can refer back to it. And whether it's you're getting a recipe from the book or you're you're figuring out how to time your nutrition with your workout or what to eat on these days that you can always go back to it. And also it was really important to me to make sure that whoever was reading this book understands that it's not a fad. It's not an extreme style of eating. It's not going to be complicated or confusing. It's with the understanding that I want to make sure that everybody maintains a good relationship with food and their body image and that, that in in their changes, if they're making changes or applying information to their life, that they're doing so so that they can become a better athlete, but without sabotaging their overall health and not just physical health, but mental health as well. Right. Yep. Uh, there's so much good stuff that you just said. I think there's one piece I want to go back to is that nutrient timing, because that was powerful for my Ironman Texas performance, right? I, you had evaluated things I was eating and I was, you know, mainly only taking fluids in the morning. And it was really hard for me to start eating a small little breakfast before training in the morning because we'd often get up at like 4.30 or 5, right? And the timing of that, that I don't believe athletes really get and understand is really important to training your gut. Mm -hmm. Right. And training your body throughout this. It's not just getting in those hours on the bike and the run and the swim and the recovery. I mean, this nutrition piece was really key for me. And I think it was was that that edge that I needed. Right. So I was mentally all in. I was physically all in. But learning how to eat properly and feel my bodily body properly for this level of competition is a whole new education for me. Like I really yeah, I went to school during that that year. And I feel like that's what this this book helps reeducate athletes. And that's not an easy thing to do because our food beliefs, you know, started since we were, you know, babies, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what we're exposed to, what, you know, our guts were, it's all, all of that stuff and, and food beliefs and beliefs about our bodies start well before we're even aware of that. Um, and then the other piece is I think, you know, going back to like, making sure athletes have this, I think it's imperative that they go back to it and refer to it. Like I bust it out all the time when I have athletes, um, when I, cause I work in for people that are just shining in for the first ep this episode. Um, I work in a college athletics department. I work with mm -hmm. student athletes all day, every day. That's all I see in the clinical setting. And when I, there's any nutrition stuff that comes up, I refer them straight to this book. I bust it out. Here's some quick recipes. Here's what you can do. You don't tell me that you don't know what to, to, to make or whatever, but I always rely on it as a source that they understand. So these yeah, college kids, you. they're, you know, they're, they think that, you know, oh, sh Dr. P is going to hand me another textbook or <laughs> have me read something. I'm like, no, boom, it's right here. Let's check out the website. Boom. If you need to ask a question, <laughs> do it. Here's the blog. If you just need some, you know, good reading, some, you know, encouragement, validation about what, what you're doing, boom, go there. And I feel like they get it. It really connects with them. You know, I, so I think that's important that it's speaking, it's a language that speaks to all different levels. Like even the college athletes who don't want to pick up another book, right? Like they're just, you know, being a student athlete yourself that it's like, okay. Yeah. Well, Very I just have to, some of that. thank you for that because that's, you know, I, what you just mentioned is something that I really believe in is this team approach with the athlete as the, the middle, that they're the most important thing, uh, or, or I don't like to use the word client. I, I mm -hmm. feel like I, I do better to think of them as just an athlete or fitness mm -hmm. enthusiast. So the athlete is the most important thing. And, you know, we, when I was in becoming a registered dietitian, one thing that was so powerful to me is that you don't, you're not expected to know everything. And even in the field of nutrition, I'm not expected to know everything. And that doesn't mean that I'm, I need to continue my education, but there's another expert out there. And mm -hmm. so having a, a sports psychologist, having a physical therapist, having other people part of your team, in addition to a sports dietitian is yeah. so important for an athlete. And so, you know, whether you're a 
a professional or the athlete yourself, I think we really need to welcome this team approach of professionals yeah. because there's so many of us out there that all we want to do is help help an athlete. And, you know, we're out there kind of busting our butt helping athletes. We're not spending time on social media. We're not spending time, um, you know, promoting our services. We're doing our services. And so athletes need to feel like they need to, you know, almost interview people, get to know people, get referrals, figure out who's going to work best for you, but just make sure that, you really take the time to include people on your team. And it doesn't matter. I mean, you could be a fitness enthusiast just doing Zumba classes. You know, it's still, you know, if you're having mental health issues, if you're having other bodily issues, if you're Mm -hmm. having marriage issues, whatever it is, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to people because there's someone there that went to school and that has taken the time to help you. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that you and I have also been very um, convicted about is, is, you know, that the credentials and vetting out resources that are legit, that are healthy, that are sending the right messages and have the right resources. So, you know, in the field of clinical psychology, like when it comes to eating disorders and disordered eating, we don't play like the standard in the field is, If you're working with the athlete that's going through and struggling with a disordered eating or an eating disorder to manage it, you have to work with a clinical dietitian or if they're an athlete, it's a clinical sports dietitian, right? So I'm not going to just, hey, this nutrition expert looks good on IG and they have great pictures and they have a large following. Yeah, let me just ask them to see an athlete. Nah, they can't. We can't roll like that. And so Mm -hmm. um in the field, I think that's really important to educate consumers, educate athletes, educate people on doing their homework on the credentials. And it's not just this shiny new thing or shiny new expert who has some kind of certification. That sounds great, but is it legit? Is it monitored by a state board? Because safety, it's really important. I mean, back in the day, like food was thy medicine. Pharmacists used to be trained, were trained in nutrition. It wasn't pills and all that stuff, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. pretty much, if this was what, so many years ago, you would be a pharmacist, you wouldn't Mm -hmm. be a clinical dietitian, right? That's how we used to treat any mental, emotional, physical ailments, it was it was through food, herbs, medicine, your body getting it right. Um, And now that scene is kind of like a holistic approach, which Mm -hmm. is weird. Um, But I think that's something we've always been really convicted about is And it's not to shame or judge like people, other people out there. This is our own, um, I think, you know, making sure we're ethical, right? Yeah. Because we're governed by licensing boards and, you know, we make the wrong decision. Someone life and wellness could be at stake or, you know, I mean, we're we're held to standards. And I think um, this book, while it's very practical, it's, you know, and, and someone can pick it up and apply it to their life and feel great about it and feel like they're they're getting solid, great information. It's also backed by someone that's ethically trained to make sure you're, you know, the empirical science and you work as a team with other people and consult. So, and it sounds like that's what your publishers also wanted to make sure. And even maybe the people before that rejected you with these articles, you know, wanted to make sure, Hey, we want to make sure we connect with the person that has the right credentials because the information we want to put out there, we want it to be legit. Right. 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 Exactly. Yep. Where social media, I think that's the, the tricky thing about it. Um, is that you never know, you know, yeah. what's, what's being, you never know. Um, yeah. And I, I have my own soapbox about it when it comes to mental coaches and life coaches, you know, this is nothing personal towards anybody, but it's the same thing. Like you go to school for 10 years, you move all around the country for your education. You have to go through a rigorous you know, clinical rotations before you even get your license. And then even after your license, then it's kind of like you're on your own. You're held to these standards that you have to uphold and take care of people and do no harm. Right. And then you see someone do like, you know, get two years and get some certificate and post a website and an IG page and a Facebook thing and boom. Yeah. They're charging double what I would charge. Right. And it it pulls people in and I I worry, you know, and I think that's why I, I wanted to make sure we talked about your book and your expertise behind it because it's it's 
there's a lot there that can people athletes need to know when they when they're choosing where they're getting their information from. Well, thank you for for the opportunity because I, you know, and there's there's other great um, sports dietitians out mm-hmm. there, and I just and I'm sure you agree that there's other great sports psychologists out there as well, yep. and we all every athlete deserves to find the one that they mesh with, and so finding understanding their philosophy, and that's when it comes to social media. I'm I don't use social media really much, although. You have to as a business owner, but Mm -hmm. I really try to use it as a way for people to get to know me and what I'm about versus what my business is about and and my services. So getting to know me and to feeling comfortable with me and who I am so that when we talk about food and, and changing habits, that it doesn't seem foreign for the individual, that they, they get it because they get me. And that's really important to me and how I use social media. Um, and, and I think the same thing is true for sports psychology as well, that people, you know, mental health is, is so important right now. Um, and people should not feel bad about reaching out to a psychologist for help, mm-hmm. um, especially athletes, because they are, they tend to be a population that, um, is looking for some kind of control or trying to, um, uh, dampen emotions. I mean, mm-hmm. this is obviously your your field, but you know, athletes can be more vulnerable to mental health issues at times. And there's nothing wrong with using a, a psychologist to help navigate those thoughts. Yeah, thank you for that. I think that's the stigma that uh, you know, d- on the daily, I'm up against and trying to really normalize. Like we go to a dentist for our teeth. There's no shame that and getting help or support mentally. People that see me, they're not crazy. They're everyday people. You know, yeah. and, and, you know, I work with athletes, but I really, when someone works with me, it's like, okay, this human being has some priorities and their job may be an athlete, their job may be a business owner, their job may be this and that, but as a human being, what's causing, um, you know, the distress, what's causing the breakdown, what's causing, and it could be situational, could be something long-term, could be something, you know, a lot of different things. And I think that there's this, this stigma because a lot of people don't know what it's like to work with, you know, a, a psychologist or something. And it's only this idea that if you go to see one, then you're crazy. You know, I've worked with professional athletes, college athletes, um, age grouper athletes, you know, all over the country. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of them, the feedback is, oh, different than what I expected. <laughs> you know, I was expecting one thing and coming in and we use it as a teachable moment. How sometimes our mind tricks us. We believe things to be one way until we actually experience them. And they're, they're, it can be quite different. And I think that's the case when working with myself. And so I appreciate you always um, encouraging people to seek out support and help um, as an athlete and as just as human beings to take care of their mind and their body. Um, because I think that's really helping break down the stigma, especially in the world of athletics, where we're taught that either sport should be your main distraction or, um, you know, you need to toughen up and harden up. And then those are, you know, you just suck it up and get through. And those are really damaging messages. Right. Or that, yeah. oh, you're an athlete, so you shouldn't have any problems or, you know, you have so many followers or you make so much money, so you shouldn't have any issues. Well, those things don't make us immune to you know, mental distress and things going on in our life because you know, yep. we're all humans. We're all going to be experiencing that. Um, yeah. And I think that's the the tricky thing about social media, right? And the highlight reel that it can give off this mess, this image that no one's having a problem. Everybody's living this wonderful filtered life. And I think that was one of the big reasons why starting this podcast to talk about the gritty stuff, the real stuff, but how mm-hmm. that real stuff shapes your self-awareness and makes you better in life. Because had you not gone through everything you've gone through in your life, the disappointments, the rejections, the loss, um, the, the sport performance up and down, and it's not for you about sport. A lot of people see you as an athlete and a profession, but it's really those are reflections of things that are about you. Right. Um, yeah. Those are like the instruments or the avenues in which you express these amazing qualities that you have to develop over time. Right. And your book is one of those big manifestations. But to show people that. It's okay to talk about the hard things because we talk about the hard things. We bring them to light. They'll make you stronger. They'll make you wiser. They'll make you smarter. And having you in my life has been one of those people. I remember spending time in Kona. You encouraged me to write a blog every day. So all those people that wrote the blog, that read those blogs in Kona and that still <laughs> go back to them, a lot of that was like, you were like, okay, you know, it's 
time to write. It's time, you know, put something out there, Gloria, you continue to encourage me. And I hadn't thought about that. I was like, cool, I get to hang out with Marty for a week. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and the first article that I wrote um, or co-wrote or that or someone that reached out to me was Iron Man. And it was because of you. Right. And so I'm I'm forever grateful that uh, you've been a major supporter of life. I don't think that, you know, what I do and everything I am is an accumulation of all the amazing people that have been on my path um, and that have helped me in this journey. So that's why I thought it was super special to have you on for as my first guest. Um, hopefully it wasn't too rocky. <laughs> you no, know? I, I appreciate uh, it. And thanks for, real. you know, giving me the spotlight to you know, to promote the book. But at the same time, I think that this is just so important because we do live in a society where people feel like they need to live up to these expectations or that their life is just not good enough. And I'm just here to say that we all have disappointments. And even though I wrote a book, that doesn't mean that I haven't had disappointments. It just, it also doesn't mean that I can't keep, uh, or that I will just stop hustling either. I have to keep working and, and doing what I need to do to help other athletes. Um, but the, this highlight reel that people are seeing on social media and looking at different bodies and looking at different successes Mm -hmm. and looking at different athletic, um, accomplishments, you know, you don't have to compare yourself to other people. You have to figure out what's going to work best for you. And, um, and I try to use social media in a way that, you know, I'm not going to talk about every disappointment I have because I wouldn't want to read about it anyways. You know, <laughs> I, that's, that's just not something have all that negativity, but yeah, I think we need to be honest in that we all have struggles and that we all have ups and downs that we go through. Um, but we want to use them in a positive way. So if you do get, have an obstacle, if you do have a setback, learn from it, don't see it as I'm no good or I'm a failure, pick yourself up again and keep going and don't ever give up on yourself. Mm -hmm. So like the intention in which using social media, the intention in which using these different avenues to communicate to people is, is you, it's very focused for you, right? Like you said, you want people to get to know who you are. It's not about promoting your business. And I think that makes all the difference in what we post, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's research out there saying um, that, you know, most often people go on social media for a different reason than end up like signing off on social media or not using it or when, you know, when they put their phone down feeling quite crummy about their lives, right? Yeah. There's actual studies now that, you know, how much people use it. And then, you know, also influences their self-esteem, self-confidence. And most often it's lower. People feel more depressed, more anxious after signing off or um, feel like they need to go on these social media um, hiatus or whatever. And Cleanses. there's a reason it's, and I think that just goes, it's for everything, right? Like if we can use everything in moderation and with a good intention, like what are you intending this for? Then there can be some balance, but, you know, it's like in your field when people go on these cleanse diets or I had an athlete, a collegiate athlete, I love her so much. But he's like, I think I want to go on the ketosis diet. What it ketosis, right? Yeah. Or ketogenic. Um, ketogenic. That's what it is. Um, I was like, no, I was like, no, you cannot do that. Here's the book. You have to reach <laughs> out to somebody to talk it through. Absolutely not. You will not do that without the guidance of a professional. That is not, you know, and I was so worried, but I mean, some, they get these ideas and someone else did it and they look lean and, and, you know, what's interesting in the, with social media and athletes and body image is, you know, athletes have one body image in sport. And then the other body image is how the everyday person sees them, the non-athlete, right? So the non-athlete could be like, you're great. Wow. You're so lean. And then within the sport, Oh, I'm lean, but I'm not as strong. I'm not as powerful. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Right. And so I think athletes sometimes struggle. And then also with the, with the way they see themselves. So it's a, a few different lenses that they're balancing how others see me, the non-athletes, how my athletic community sees me and how I see myself. Um, yeah. And that's not something just 
you're doing great, love yourself. And a mantra can kind of fix, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of mental conditioning that needs a shift. Um, I always, you know, admired your work because I remember us talking one time and saying like, you know, working with a clinical dietitian, working on your food and fuel performance is really working on changing your beliefs and your, mm-hmm. your habits. Like yep. you are addressing something that someone, I mean, you have to live, you have to have food to live, right? So you're addressing beliefs and ways about their body and their health that they had probably been living with their whole life. Yeah. You know, so challenging that takes time. It's not just some quick diet, some quick cleanse, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's uh that's my greatest fear around this time of the year, especially with the new year and the mm-hmm. the January thirty day fixes and you know, fad diets that are that a lot of athletes fall victim to is just trying to gain control and trying to not trying thinking that they're focusing on themselves when really they're just trying to do what everybody else is doing or what they think everybody else is doing. But you got to start now and start making those changes without worrying about other people and, and uh, hopefully think about your own health and how the choices you're making are going to impact you because that's, what's most important. When you take care of yourself, you can take care of everything else in your world much better. Yeah. And I think the not comparison is so powerful because think about it. So maybe people didn't know you before and maybe were comparing themselves to you and see your social media and wow, she's doing this and I got to do this. And then, you know, once they listen to this episode and read more and hopefully that gets them curious about reading your blog and stuff that you're putting out there, they realize, oh my gosh, I never knew she went through that to get to the person that she is now. Right. And so I think that's, a really important mission of mine is to break that down, to offer real honest stories about when, you know, if people do follow you, they now know there's more to it. Like don't compare because everyone's living their own life path. And so all your victories have not come without struggles. Right. And, and I think that's a story. We all have a story and we don't, not even 1% of the story gets translated through social media. You know, I really don't, don't believe that unless like you said, we're intentional and real, which is what I hope that we can start that shift on, right. That we can start the shift to be honest and real. And then the people that are going through stuff to know that there's resources out there um, to support them and to help them through whatever they're going through. You know, I know I surely went through some stuff like after having my son, like, I had postpartum anxiety like crazy and I had a support system of people that would validate that, that would check in with me, that would bring me food. Um, and it was, it was powerful, but to admit it, right? Like, well, I'm going through this and I've never been through this life change in my life, you know, hormonally, all that stuff, like freaking crazy. And then after having my son, I never, you know, I valued health. And what I put in my body and what, how, I, you know, stress and all that way different. So, you know, just like losing your dad or, or writing this book, like major life changes do, you do go back to evaluate, like what's important? How do I need to take care of myself? Who's on my team? Who needs to be, who's good to be around me? Who's going to keep it real, but also help support me on that instead of keeping it real, making me feel like shit. It's like keeping it real. And then let's get you some support or help or what do we need to do to like move forward and get you through this. Right. Yeah. Don't wait for some type of setback to make a change. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the scary thing is when people see somebody on social media and then they come out and say, well, I've had an eating disorder or I was doing something that made me unhealthy. But think of all the people that were following that person in the first place, thinking that they look so happy or they're succeeding in athletics. I mean, there's a lot of research that say that when somebody, um, let's say is restricting food that sometimes their performance actually improves, um, for a very short time before a health issue occurs. So, Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that they have several seasons of poor performance. And I've seen that, you know, I hate to say it with a lot of the, uh, it's, you know, a lot of elite runners sometimes, right. You, you see that. And there's been runners that come out and say it, like, I'm just one of this in the culture of, you know, yeah reinforcing this type of a pattern. Yeah. So we have to be very careful of what we're reading out there on social media, what we're reading in bookstores as well. And, and I really hope that my book can be a good guidebook for athletes, at least to get them started, you know, that it, 
that if they have questions or if they want a, a very realistic approach um, to help get them started and then to decide which route they want to go through next. Awesome. So the holidays are coming up. So, you know, your book would be perfect holiday gift for that fitness enthusiast athlete. <laughs> it would be. It <laughs> Where can they be. find the book? Well, um, we will actually... Um, in the next week, have a little special on our website, trimarnycoach.com, that athletes can order the book, a signed copy of the book, and I'd be happy to personalize it. And um, two bags of our Trimarny coffee and I a little know. bookmark. about that. And a bookmark that we made as well. Um, so that will all be a little bundle for a very affordable price. And so athletes can purchase that or they can purchase the book on Amazon. Okay. Where can they find you? How do they continue to follow up on all the good stuff, all the, you know, racing, vac racecation adventures, campies life, corral <laughs> and the kitties and all that. Yeah. Our, our furry family and us <laughs> yeah. that support them. Um, we, they can find us on my website, trymarniecoach.com, my blog, trymarnie.blogspot.com. And and then on social media, um, my two active accounts are Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. Oh, Marnie, thank you so much. I feel like this is just one of many episodes to come. I can't right? wait. I thank can't you. wait either. So thank you so much for taking the time, the three-hour time difference, being in South Carolina, um, and to always connect with you. I feel so good. It's so just uh, warm inside every time I get to, to talk to you. It's almost as if we're like in person, right? Um, well, so thank you. And, you know, you, you sure did a really great job boosting my ego throughout this phone call. But <laughs> I, I just have true. to say... Thank you to, to you and what you do for athletes, um, because just like what you said, that I think psychology and mental health gets a, a bad reputation or a bad stigma that especially among athletes that need to be tough. And there's nothing wrong with reaching out for help. I've reached out for you um, when I've struggled with issues and, and anxieties and depression mm -hmm. and just very low moments that I needed mm -hmm. to talk through. Um, so I really want to encourage athletes to, you know, that your blog is a good resource. It's, it's a resource that I often go back to. Um, I'm sure you don't blog as much as you wish you would just because you've got so much other things going on. But the, <laughs> the nuggets of information that you do have on there are so valuable. It's just Thank a few you. quick tips that athletes can just be like, oh my gosh, this makes a lot of sense or this is my mantra for the day. So I, I would encourage people to go to your blog because I think it has a lot of good information on there. Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. that. And I appreciate you being on my team. Yeah. You know, if, if anything, I wish for everyone listening to have a team of good people that really reflect you know, the good stuff in their life, the values, support through all the ups and downs. And so you've also been that person for me. So no, thank you. Thanks, Gloria. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up this episode of Gritty Genius. You can find me at Gritty Genius at Instagram, um, Gritty Genius at Outlook.com for any feedbacks or questions. Um, Gritty Genius on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can subscribe there. It's also on Gritty Genius at WordPress.com. Until next time, thank you. Peace and have a good day.